Hey America, my name is Mike Turek. Welcome to the 1787 Media Network, host of the Simple Answers Podcast. It is Monday, January 14th, I believe, of 2019. Happy New Year. Um, we are on the 21st episode of the Simple Answers Podcast. Good golly, how time flies. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. GoFundMe accounts, impeachment proceedings, constitutional amendments, electoral college, and so much more. So stick around. Guys, so welcome to 2019. The first thing I want to say is um, if you watched the little video I made on Facebook the other day, uh, why we didn't have an episode last week, uh, I was able to get my monitor working. It's over here on the uh, off screen that you guys can't actually see. So if I just stare off screen like that way, that's what I'm actually looking at. Uh, but my kid did rip out uh, some of the wiring and we had to kind of replace everything. But now it's working. It's awesome. And um, good start to 2019. I must say that also on Facebook, you should always check the Facebook account. Facebook.com slash 1787 Media Network. Uh, it's where I update all of you guys on the, the things happening during the week. Uh, for the Simple Answers podcast. And one thing that we uh, we did do, if you haven't noticed already, is we are on so many streaming sites now for, uh, for podcast apps, uh, all due to Anchor. And I must uh, thank them so much for being our new host of the uh, Simple Answers podcast. And um, you can find all the links to every single one of our new uh, podcast applications in the, in the description of the podcast that you're either listening to or the YouTube video that you're either watching right now. Um, so big, big thumbs up. Awesome job to them. Thank you so much. So um, if you're new here, we are a conservative, right-leaning, libertarian, freedom-loving, America-loving uh, podcast that talks about news uh, history and gives opinion on today's current events. So if you are here, thank you for your first time listening to us. Hit that follow button on whatever platform you're using. And uh, on YouTube, definitely hit subscribe and hit that notification bell so you'd be the you know notified when I post a new video each and every week. So I want to dive right into some uh, some news here. So the first thing I want to touch base on is a... Uh, a wounded warrior veteran, uh, Brian Colfage. Uh, you probably heard this in the news. Started a GoFundMe account for the border wall, and I thought this was absolutely brilliant. Um, I just wanted to give. If you haven't heard about this, uh, as soon as you know the Democrats and the left pretty much said, "Nope, we're not giving you any funding," he went out and said, "We don't need the government to fund stuff. There's been private equity that funds." projects all the time. Uh, so he started to go fund me and in 26 days, uh, about 340,000 people have donated a S a amount of 20 million, three thirteen one sixteen. Um, so he's looking to raise $1 billion and hand it over like legally to, uh, the Trump administration specifically earmarked for the border wall. Uh, so they can't just use it for whatever, you know, stupid things the government uses money for. So I, I thought this was great. If you haven't gone, the uh, the link will be on the uh, on the screen as well as um, uh, 
the description above, like below, but it is GoFundMe.com slash the Trump wall. And I think it's, I think it's just brilliant. Thank God for this guy. He's hilarious. I think this is awesome. Good job. Um, so moving on. I want to talk about a couple things. Literally the first day of um, this brand new session of Congress, uh, some some interesting things happened. The first thing is uh, Representative Steve Cohen, a Democrat from Tennessee, introduced two bills on Thursday. This was a couple weeks ago, but bear with me. Um, now, these were two constitutional amendments. They were not just, you know, bills. They were constitutional amendment bills. Um, one of them was, and this is the one I want to focus on. The other one I don't really care about to focus on today. The first one, one to eliminate the electoral college. And the second, uh, to prohibit presidents from pardoning themselves or family members. So first off, I don't really care about talking about the pardoning. Whatever, don't care. But if you're trying to eliminate the electoral college, there is something seriously deranged about you. And you just don't understand what it, what it really is. And we're going to go into this. So a press release from Cohen's office stated that a senior member uh, of the House Judiciary Committee introduced two constitutional amendments today on opening day of the new Congress. The first would eliminate the electoral college, Uh, and provide for the direct election of the president and vice president of the United States. And, of course, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, It goes on to say, in two presidential elections since 2000, including the most recent one in which Hillary Clinton won 2.8 million more votes than her opponent, President Donald Trump, the winner of the popular vote did not win the election because of the distorting effect of the outdated electoral college Uh, Cohen said he goes on to say Americans expect and deserve the winner of the popular vote to win office really so he goes into saying more than a century ago we amended our constitution to provide for the direct election of US senators it is past time to directly elect president and vice president so I want to go into this one like hardcore because (laughs) the the fact that th- this is this is not even an intelligent idea. This this is something superiorly just unintelligent, and it's calculated. We we can't not we cannot sit here and say, oh, he's just angry. He's just got Trump deranged syndrome. This is calculated. This is for a very specific reason. And right now, I'm I'm it, again if if you are listening to it on the podcast side i i i implore you to go onto google and and google search uh trump win by county uh under the images section and if you're watching on youtube you're going to see it pop up on your screen right now but there's a reason why they want the electoral college gone and it's this map this map shows the overwhelming amount of the entire country is red. Votes red. Voted for Donald Trump. But 
then you have slivers where you see just dense blue. New York City, Massachusetts, Vermont, most New Hampshire, um, all of southern Maine around the big city, you know, all of like the big Bostonian suburbs, uh, Seattle. Um, you have South Texas, all of pretty much all of the western coastline and southern California, Miami, Orlando. Um, every single urban area is blue. Every city, like every major popular city is blue because that's where the most dense people live. And just like my wife says all the time, cities breed socialists because that's exactly what they are. Not in the fact of they are socialist in politics, but socialist in nature. They all can't survive without each other. So automatically the mindset is, oh, well, socialism is good. If you think about that, you understand why New York City, Boston, you know, Chicago are all Democrat held cities and socialist type policies with, you know, politicians coming out with socialist policies from those cities all the time. You understand that. So this is an effort to create a popular voting system where cities control national outcomes period the rest of the entire country all of the all of the people that live in podunk nowhere you know that live outside of cities do not have a voice anymore seriously it's gone and that's what the electoral college does the electoral college protects all the voices so not you don't get major cities deciding elections for the entire country. The entire country wanted Dr. Or Donald Trump to be president, if you look on the map. The cities just so happen to be the popular, the populated areas, but those little itty-bitty locations wanted Hillary Clinton. Who cares if those are where the, popu like the, the population lives? It's not the whole of the country. It's one idea. So everyone always says, oh, well, you know, we don't want California and we don't want New York controlling um, controlling the outcomes of the elections. And that's that's true to a point. But it's not just New York City and Los Angeles. It's if you look at this map, it's every major metropolitan area in the entire United States votes blue. Um, I always said that with New York State, New York State needs its own electoral college just for governorships because the entire uh, northern section of like northern section of New York State uh, usually votes red, except for like Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, and Albany, and then you get Westchester, uh, New York City, and Long Island to go blue, and that covers the entire literally. Uh, when Governor uh, Governor Cuomo won this past election in November, he won eight counties out of fifty-two because of population. You know, and, and that's and that is exactly the model that we cannot follow by eliminating the electoral college. Now, if anyone doesn't understand how the electoral college uh, works on electors, so there's five hundred and thirty-eight electors in the electoral college. Uh, 270 of those need to uh, need to vote for you to become president. But how do we get electors? So, so uh, 
I don't really know the process of electing the specific electors, but I do understand the process of how we number the electors that we get. Your your number of electors from New York State is calculated by the number of House representatives you have in Congress plus your senators. So say you have 20 representatives in Congress and say you have two senators because that's what everybody has, you would get 22 electoral college votes for that state. Um, and it, and it's up to your state how they do it. Like some states give you a certain amount of electors based on popular vote. Others give you all or nothing. Um, so it depends. That's a state issue though. So that is the breakdown of the electoral college. But why would we want to get, why are we just allowing these things to happen? Now, this has, this has, is a constitutional amendment. And that's one of the things I want to talk about is how constitutional amendments actually become um, ratified and become part of the constitution is, is a whole different ballgame. And I don't think this has any chance of, of actually winning because it has to, it has to pass the Senate, which thank God this, you know, um, we still have a, a, a Republican-controlled Senate at this time, so I don't really think it has a plan to go anywhere um, just yet. Uh, we're also going to talk about another proposed amendment, which also is really a is a fantastic one, but at that same point, I don't think it has a chance of going anywhere. But when you're talking about ratifying an amendment, any House or Senate member can propose an amendment. It doesn't need to start in the House. It doesn't need to start in Senate. Anyone can do it. Um, and remember the president has absolutely no constitutional control over amendment process like over the amendment process so it doesn't need to go to his desk he doesn't need a signature he doesn't even need to like it um and so you know this guy this guy cohen if he wanted to ratify it remember the process is such he he is a member of congress he proposes it um two-thirds of the house has to vote in favor for it then it moves on to the senate two-thirds of the senate has to vote for it and it pass um and then it goes to out to the states and remember three quarters of the 50 states so 38 out of the 50 states have to ratify it in their state legislatures so it's a long enduring process normally it takes well over you know a couple of years to be able to do and um it's a, it's a long process. I mean, this is not something that you can just go and, you know, oh, it's done. We're going to rush it through. Because think of how many states need to ratify it. 38. That's a lot of states that need to ratify it. And with something like this, I don't know if they would actually do it because there's more than enough people in the red parts of this country that understand that the Electoral College is needed to protect them. You know, I, I mean, I someone living on a farm in, you know, Iowa wants the same amount of vocal strength as, you know, some guy sitting in his loft in New York City. And that's what the Electoral College does. It gives them voices. So um, that's that's my big spiel on the Electoral College and, uh, and, and this one amendment. <laughs> Now I want to move on to a second amendment that was uh, that was proposed. This time I completely agree with this, and, and it's going to lead us into um, a lot of different 
uh, a lot of different talk here. So this CNN article here, and yes, sadly, I do actually read and watch CNN for your guys' uh, benefit. So, <laughs> um, so this fake news article, no, I'm not, I'm kidding. It's actually real. And uh, this, uh, this was actually an interesting read to see their spin on it, but you know, it, it is what it is. So Republican Senator Ted Cruz and uh, Republican Representative uh, Francis Rooney proposed a constitutional amendment again Thursday. This was literally like a day after the new House convened uh, or new Congress uh, convened earlier this year that would propose term limits on members of both houses. Uh, the amendment uh, was co-sponsored by uh, Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, uh, Mike Lee of Utah, and David Perdue of Georgia. Um, and it would restrict senators to two six-year terms and House members to three two-year terms. Um, Cruz, I believe, did a, a similar um, amendment that got shot down last January of 20, like, not 18, but 17 uh, so I guess it wouldn't be last, but two years ago. So I I think this is I think this is fantastic. Again, just with the political climate of today, I don't believe I don't believe that this would go anywhere. I think it's going to get shot down again. We have to remember the process is two thirds of both houses of Congress. So the Senate has to vote two-thirds. The House has to vote two-thirds. You're never going to get Democrats to support this in the House right now. Um, why he waited this long, I would have done this on day one of last Congress when we had both the House and the Senate. Um, and that's why I think a lot of these are fluff bills like, ooh, look at what I did. But then you look and you go, oh, but look at what I did when it had no chance of passing. Good job. Um, so is it really is it really worth it? But just the just the thought that this this came in, and and there's 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 so much need for term limits in Congress. I mean, just just look at you know a lot of uh, a lot of members of Congress are there twenty plus years, and and I I only did I only researched three people. Uh, Chuck Schumer has been there uh, twenty years. He was originally elected in nineteen ninety eight out of New York. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has been there 32 years. She was originally uh, voted for in um, 87, 1987. And uh, Chuck Grassley on the Republican side, he's been there for almost uh, 45 years. 45 years in Congress. Seriously, 45. Um, there is a sitting member of Congress that's been there since like the 1950s. Um I, I just was perusing his his profile. I didn't actually take a name or anything like that. Um, but just think of that. So we we have all this talk about oh my God, who's in the who re Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whoever, Purple Pig is sitting in the White House for four or eight years. Dear God, why are we not worried about what's happening in the House and the Senate for forty? You think. Think about yourself. Over the last 20 years, how much have you changed? Right? If you're 20 and you get elected, maybe you get a little small, you know, smarter, maybe this, that, the other thing. But how much have you really changed over 20 years or 40 years or 50 years? 
So do you really think like we all sit there and we moan and groan and we we complain? Oh well, why aren't they thinking of new things? Because they've been there for 40 years. They don't have original thoughts anymore. Their original thought was 1950. It's it's terrible. And no, I'm not saying that people born in 1950 are 40 years old. I'm just saying. But now we can we can further understand why it's so difficult to get a new idea or for any of these sticks in the mud to move on anything except for political power because that's all they know. They've they don't hold jobs. They don't do this. They they their job is to get reelected and be a, a career politician which was never designed to be that way. Never designed. You look at so many different quotes from um from the founders. Um there was an essay a uh, written by a, uh an anti-federalist in 1788 uh Smith uh, Melacton Smith uh, suggested that while limiting terms in local elections was probably unnecessary, limits would provide a useful check on the power of federal legislatures. Um, and he's quoted for saying, uh, who were elected for long periods and far removed from the observation of the period uh, of the people. Uh, the author's essay uh, or excuse me, the essay's author worried that without a mechanism to push national legislators out of the office from time to time, lawmakers would become inattentive to the public good, callous, selfish, and the fountain of corruption. And we've literally seen this again. The founders were brilliant, right? We all forget. Oh my God, there was there were old sticks in the mud. They were old, you know, curmudgeon white guys, but they literally were geniuses. Every single one of them. And this shows you that these guys were thinking. Now, why they didn't put it in there, I can honestly not say. Um, If you think about it, when Washington said, hey, I'm only doing two two terms and then I'm done, that was a precedent. They didn't need a constitutional amendment until after uh, Roosevelt went on three terms because... I don't know. He was FDR and he could whoop D. Um, so it, it's one of those things where I, I often wonder why the, why the founders didn't say, Hey, you could be this, you could be that, but only for this amount of time. I don't know why exactly they didn't put it in there. I think there was a lot of give or take because a lot of them were in favor of it. But again, a lot of them weren't in favor for it. So I think it was the general compromise. Like, Hey, we can put them in there for term limits, but not term limits of the amount of time they can spend there. Like, yeah, it's a six-year term. Oh, it's a two-year term, but we can't limit them to 12 years, or we can't limit them to six years. So I think at that point, um, that's where the compromise was, and that's why it is the way it is. But now you're, you're Washington's been quoted hundreds and hundreds of times by saying it, it was your duty to go and serve your country and then come back and serve your home. You you weren't expected to go to Washington and make a career out of it. Your career was farming or, you know, silversmithing or gunsmithing or a tavern owner or whatever you did prior to going and serving your country. It was like joining the military. You know, you went and served and then you came home. Um, there were no career 
types of ambitions uh, in that day. And I think that's where people get kind of uh, perfuddled in the in the whole concept of understanding this is the fact that the the mindset, the culture was different. Now it's yeah, I can stay in Congress until I die. Like, cool. And that's not that's not what we need. So now is the time where we need to propose these term limits and we need to pass them. And if it doesn't work, then call Article five convention of the states and, and bring it up that way. Then you can then you can bypass the House and Senate and you can directly go to the state legislatures. Um, and, I, and I think that's nowhere in my opinion will congressional leadership in either party either party ever vote to limit their own power and the only way they can conduct their business and create their power is by never leaving washington and having that permanent elite class so i think article five is the only way you're ever going to be able to do this um but hey you know what I'm all for constitutional convention of the states. I think it would be awesome. I would love to go to it. I would love to see it. Um, I don't know. The, we'll have to see where this goes. I don't think it'll go anywhere. I think it'll, you know, again, just be stuck. Um, stuck in the Senate. Moving on, I want to talk about um, impeachment because that's a it's a long, um, a long complicated process that people just don't understand. I mean, you see, literally, it was it was an idea. Oh yeah, we don't like the election of 2016 because Donald Trump got elected and our you know Maharaja Clinton got uh, got you know wrecked. Um. So we're kind of salty and we don't like this outcome because we don't have, know how to deal with loss because we got participation trophies all our lives. So I guess we're just going to have to impeach him and get him out. Like there's impeach Trump websites and petitions everywhere, everywhere. Okay, cool. Let me educate you because apparently civics still doesn't exist in public school. Impeachment is not removal of office. So go ahead and impeach him. Guess what it does? Absolutely nothing. For any of the leftist Democrats that believe that, watch when your head explodes after he becomes impeached. Guess what? Your Maharaja, Mrs. Hillary Ron Clinton's husband was impeached. In 1998, I believe. Let me see. I brought up the date. December 19th of 1998, uh, Clinton was impeached by the House of Representatives on grounds of perjury to a grand jury and obstruction of justice. And this was because he lied under oath. Um, not because he was getting handies under the table by Monica Lewinsky like people want to say. This was because he lied under oath. Um, it was not for, you know, sexual behavior of a president. So let's get that straight. But Clinton was impeached. Well, why wasn't he removed? Because they're two different things. Head explode now. Boom. Um, and that's and that's where I want to go here, because there's so much movement 
to impeach Trump, impeach Trump. Oh my God, the Democrats are going to impeach Trump. They got control of the House and it doesn't matter. So let me go with what impeachment is. Impeachment is the process by which a legislative body levels charges against a government official. It specifically does not remain removal of office. It is only a statement of charges akin to an indictment in criminal law. So if you were charged with manslaughter, you still have to go to trial and get convicted. Trump can go to, he can be impeached on what, he could be impeached for peeing on the Rose Garden. I, I don't know. But he still has to go to a Senate, like a congressional trial and be removed. So what is the process for removal? So this is, we're going to, we're going to dive into the 25th amendment of the constitution here because it, it, you, you need to understand. And this is, there's a lot of legalese in, in what I'm saying here. So, so please bear with me. We'll go through it. Uh, Article 4 of Amendment 25 of the Constitution, wherever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive department, so all of his cabinet, okay, or of such other body as Congress um, made by law provide, transmit to the president of the Senate and the speaker, their written declaration to the president um, that the president is unable to discharge the the powers and duties of his office. The president, uh, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. So, okay, we have to think this in terms of, um, sir, you are no longer fit for duty kind of thing, right? So almost like a mutiny, but certain people have to be involved. So, Impeachment comes up, they charge him for this, 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 and this. And now they have to go and say, Mr. Vice President and a majority of his cabinet, do you believe that the president is um, unfit for duty? And they go, yes. So then they transmit a um a written declaration to the senate uh majority leader and uh, the speaker of the house and then they go okay president is no longer fit for duty mr vice president you are now president cool that's one way to do it now the second way to do it is that the house and the congress both say hey He's unfit for duty, uh, or I'm sorry, the House and the Senate both say, hey, you're unfit for duty. We're going to write a letter. They send it to the Senate majority and the House um, speaker, and they go, okay, cool. Mr. President, you're unfit for duty. Mr. Vice President, you are now president. That's the process. And believe me, the this process is not easy. You're never going to get Trump's cabinet to turn on him. You're never going to get 
uh, Mike Pence, the, the, the vice president, to turn on him. And you're never going to get the Senate majority leader to turn on President Trump either. So removal of office is the, the House Speaker. Yeah, sure. Pelosi will turn on him for easy reasons. She doesn't like him. She's salty. Cool. Done. But you're never going to get the Senate majority leader. You're never going to do that. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to see Trump even being impeached, being removed. Um so I don't even know why they're trying this. I think it's just to appease the Democratic and left base that is still salty over 2016. It ain't going anywhere. I don't really see it. Um, and I think it'll be hilarious to watch all the memes and videos of people screaming like they did when Hillary lost um, when they find out that impeachment doesn't mean removal. Uh, so I think that'll be interesting too. Um, so guys, I want to say... Uh, thank you for everything in the, uh, in the new year. And, um, one of the things that is awesome with anchor that, uh, that we didn't have the option to before, as I wrap this, this week's podcast up is, um, we were never in a position to ask for any type of financial, uh, assistance with the, the podcast and this program. Uh, with Anchor, we are allowed to uh, receive donations, just like you would on Patreon, just like you would on a bunch of other sites like GoFundMe or anything else. So if you are in a financial position to uh, support and help out this channel grow uh, and help this podcast grow, we uh, we would be very thankful if you head on, on over to our uh, Anchor page, Anchor dot FM slash Simple Answers Podcast. Right on the front page, there is a... Uh, uh, support this podcast button that you can uh, choose a monthly donation of $1, $5, or $10. And I want to just say that every single cent that you guys donate, if you do, uh, we will be forever thankful and it will go 100% towards buying, you know, brand new equipment, brand new studio space, brand new everything that we need for this this program that'll just help us continue to grow. So if you are in a financial position to be able to do that, thank you very much. And uh, we appreciate, you know, your guys' support as well as, um, you know, uh, just all the support that you give us on all of our podcast apps, all of our Facebook posts, um, our Twitter feeds at 1787 Media Net. And uh, just everything in general, our YouTube channel, which, you know, continues to, to grow. The last thing I want to say is happy shutdown. This is now the longest government shutdown in American history, uh, lasting 22 days. They should have just passed a budget since uh, 2008. They still haven't passed, or I think it's 2009. They still haven't passed a budget. So good job for that. Now 10 years without a uh, fiscal budget. Um, so stay strong, Mr. President, on that. And uh, America, stay strong for you.